As you settle in this morning, let me ask you this to start us off. How many of you who grew up in church, spent your summers at BBS, remember this song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, looked up in the tree, and he said, what did he say? Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm coming to your house today, right? Classic kid song with lyrics that remind us of some of the details of this popular Bible story to a tune that's just etched into our memory. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. We are going to study the story of Zacchaeus this morning. While we are going to focus in on those important details along with others, we are also going to look at the glorious lessons we learn from this story about the saving work of Jesus Christ. We are going to really focus in on the Savior who passed Zacchaeus's way on that day and their encounter and the change that takes place in Zacchaeus's heart and life and what we learn about the gospel from the story of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read this story and then pray and then we're going to discuss what we learn about God's gospel from Zacchaeus's story. First, let me read for us Luke 19, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of God, believers. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now here's the section that the song leaves out, which is really the most important in the story. Not to bash on the, on the song, kiddos, okay? Look at verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood, said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, teach us glorious truths of your gospel from this story. 
pray the lost hear it. I pray they respond to it in repentance, in faith. And that your people leave here today praising you for the work that you have accomplished for them in sending your son to seek and to save the lost. Have your way in our hearts and lives this morning for your purposes and glory. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. Luke's gospel is about to transition for 10 chapters now. We have been discussing Jesus' journey from the region of Galilee south to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to enter into that city. And when he does, he's got a week left for his death. But before he does, we have this encounter with this wicked tax collector in this last major city Jesus passes through before his ministry in Jerusalem. Jericho should sound familiar to many of you know your Bibles. Remember, it was the city that was taken in a miraculous manner by Joshua and the Israelites in the book of Joshua. New Testament Jericho was founded by Herod the Great it was uh, located about a mile and a half south of this, of this ancient city. According to extra-biblical historical sources uh, from, from Josephus, the first century historian, it was a beautiful city. It was a vacation spot for royals sat on one of the busiest trade routes in the ancient world. Lots of wealthy and important people lived here, which makes sense that in this place you would find a man like Zacchaeus. He was a climber. He was looking to get ahead in the world. He was willing even to cheat his fellow man out of a lot of money to get there. He had carved out his own way to make a life for himself, which makes sense that you would find him here. And knowing what we know about Zacchaeus, we're going to get more into it, but it's what truly makes this story and his transformation amazing. Luke tells us Zacchaeus' story in contrast to the ones he's already told about the rich man and Lazarus, Luke chapter 16, and his story is told in contrast to the rich young ruler that we learn about in Luke chapter 18. We have said that those wealthy individual religious leaders in those stories would have been praised by the religious leaders in Jesus' day, while tax collectors like Zacchaeus would have been despised. But the irony in this story is that while the rich young ruler refused to follow Jesus because he was a lover of money, while the rich man perished because he failed to listen to Moses and the prophets and failed to love God and failed to love others and care for others in this life, Zacchaeus gives a different response when he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ, which is huge because there are major 
barriers between Zacchaeus and Jesus and saving faith in him. But he has an incredible encounter with the Lord this morning that forever changes him. Folks, we're going to have an encounter with Jesus this morning in his word. And the question for you this morning is this, what will your response be to him? Let's look at it. Several lessons we learn about God's gospel when we look at Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. The first is this, Jesus came to save sinners like Zacchaeus. That's why he came. The rich young ruler, like, like most of the other religious leaders in his day, did not believe he was in need of someone else to save him. He felt he had things under control in his own power and, and strength. He was satisfied with his own religiosity. He was, he was dependent completely on his own, own accomplishments and on his possessions. And Jesus exposes him quickly as a money-loving idolater. Then he tells his disciples and others in the crowd, you remember it? How difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then those who heard it said, then who can be saved? They're thinking, if not the rich young ruler, then who? Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. He lets those in the crowd know that salvation is humanly impossible. It's not really, really difficult. It's unachievable. In answer to the rich young ruler's question, there is nothing you can do in your own strength to inherit eternal life. That's the bad news. Here's the greatest news of all. What's impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? And Jesus displays that in this story. He shows who he is. He is God the Son. Only God can do this work, right? And we see him do this work, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, in saving Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a poster child for the impossible. Yet in the end, he receives eternal life. He had a lot of barriers. He was a corrupt tax collector. Look at it. Verses 1 and 2 of Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho is just uh, northeast of Jerusalem. Jesus is close to his destination. Verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. We've talked a bit about tax collectors in our study of Luke's gospel. In the mind of an average Jewish person in this day, if there was anyone on the outs with God, it was tax collectors. He wanted a good example of what a sinner was. Next to prostitutes, there were tax collectors. While prostitutes were selling their body for profit, tax collectors were cheating their fellow man out of a ton of money. While he was a Jew, Zacchaeus was working for Rome. 
who support their, their great world empire Romans heavily and unfairly taxed all the citizens in the nations under their control. And the, the, the Romans would, would hire the, the people in that nation, those citizens of that nation, to collect taxes from their own people. And they did that for the Jews. They hired Jews to, to, to collect from their own people. They were lured into these positions to be tax collectors because it was a way to get ahead in society. It was a way to make a lot of money and, and to move into a position of, of influence. To make good money, certain tax collectors took more than they should for themselves. They defrauded their fellow man. Zacchaeus was guilty of this. He confesses this later in the story to Jesus. We're told he was a chief tax collector, the head of other tax collectors in Jericho. So before rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's, a chief tax collector would take his cut from other tax collectors, which, which made those other tax collectors, because they wanted to get theirs as well, they would, they would cheat them out of even more. So Zacchaeus was the most despised in this town by his own people. He did not rise to this position of prominence because of his integrity. It was because of his depravity. While he had a lot of wealth, the Jewish religious leaders did not view it in the same way as someone like the rich young ruler. They did not believe Zacchaeus to be someone who was highly favored by God because he gained his wealth dishonestly, which many of the religious leaders did as well. They're just not talking about that. And the fact that he was chief tax collector meant he was viewed as chief sinner. Numero uno. In Jericho, for that reason, many believed Zacchaeus was far from the kingdom of God. Look at verse 2 again. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Again, remember Jesus' words in Luke 18. After his encounter with the rich young ruler, he says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So Zacchaeus is wicked and wealthy. Double whammy, right? Now it's not a sin to be wealthy, but it was a sin to be wealthy the way he was. He was a lover of money as well. He was self-reliant. He had sinned in great ways, cheated his fellow man out of a lot of money to have the wealth that he has. A self-made man. Two strikes against him. Entering into God's kingdom. The pious Jews in Jesus' day believed him to be rightfully on the outs with God, which is why they respond as they do when they witness Jesus' encounter with them. When Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house later in the story, the people responded with grumbling. They said, He's gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. This floored them, and the reason why is because. They failed to see themselves like Zacchaeus. They thought there was a difference. And therefore, they failed to see the reason Jesus came. You see, many of the pious Jews, we looked at this already, they were expecting the Messiah to come and affirm them. 
and praised them for living their lives faithfully for God. They believed he had come to, to save, but, but he was coming to save them from the wicked Romans and condemn these wicked traitors like Zacchaeus who had joined the Romans and were exploiting their own people. That's what they believed. The religious leaders believed that Jesus was coming to set them up over all other kingdoms and make life good for them and condemn the Romans, kick the Romans out, condemn traitors like Zacchaeus. Jesus shows them here in the saving of Zacchaeus that he has come to do an even greater work. He's come to do the impossible. He has come to transform and to restore, to forgive and save the wicked and the wayward for God's kingdom purposes. Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The rich young ruler missed this completely. The religious leaders missed this completely. I pray you do not. The religious leaders failed to see this. They failed to see their sinfulness and their desperate need of rescue. And therefore they missed Jesus. I pray you do not. After calling for another tax collector, Matthew, to be his disciple. And after being criticized by the Jewish religious leaders for hanging out, eating and drinking with with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus told them this in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 32. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. He's not separating tax collectors and religious leaders in terms of sin and righteousness, okay? He's very much saying this tongue-in-cheek. Truth is, both were sinners. Both were in desperate need. The problem is, only one group realized it. Jesus says here, those are the ones I'm after. Those who know they need me. Those who recognize their sin. Those who are broken over their sin. Those who see their need of me. Who see their need of rescue and humbly seek Rescue from me, which makes sense if you think about it, you know? You don't see yourself as sick, even though you are sick. You don't seek the doctor's help, and you don't get better. If you do not believe you're in need of rescue, you will not look to and cry out for the Savior, for deliverance. And you'll even reject it when it's offered. That was the problem with the religious leaders in this day. Jesus makes it known he didn't come to give the religious leaders a pat on the back and an attaboy. He came to tell them they need to be born again. Read your scripture reading this week, John chapter 3 with Jesus and Nicodemus. Read that story. That's what he tells Nicodemus, right? You need to be born again. He came to open blind eyes to the truth of sin and change Hardened hearts bring sinners to repentance. He did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Do you realize that you are a sinner in need of saving? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting in God's Son alone for your salvation? I pray you would.
today. Next point. Not only do we learn in this text that Jesus came to save sinners like Zacchaeus, we also get insight into how he does this work. He does it by seeking them out and by changing their hearts. First, he he seeks them out. Point number two, Jesus seeks sinners like Zacchaeus before they ever seek him. Now, some of you may be scratching your heads at this point because at first glance, it appears as if Zacchaeus is seeking to see Jesus. Obviously, word is has traveled to the people of Jericho about this miracle-working man, and Zacchaeus is eager to see Jesus as he passes through the city. Let's look at it again, verses 1 through 4. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. So we see here, there's another barrier for Zacchaeus, right? Not only does he have a heart problem, he's got a height problem. Can't see him, right? I picture the the crowds just kind of pressing in on the streets and him standing in the back trying to stand on his tiptoes or jump up above the crowd to see Jesus. He can't. So he does something that's out of character for a man of his stature. He runs up ahead and humbly climbs up in a sycamore tree to get a better look. So it, it seems as if Zacchaeus is initiating this encounter here. We're told he was seeking to see Jesus, but we learn here like we do elsewhere that there is no one who seeks after God without God first seeking him. Romans 3, 10 and 11 says it as clear as day. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. MacArthur, when commenting on this verse, says this. Look at this quote. Man's only hope is for God to seek him. It is only as a result of God's work in the heart that anyone seeks him. So if that's true, what do we make of Zacchaeus? We're told he was seeking to see Jesus. Well, we learn that Jesus was already seeking him, seeking him. You with me? Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. He was expecting Zacchaeus to be right there. And he said to him, by name, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Folks, this right here is a divine appointment. Jesus knows right where Zacchaeus is. He knows him by name. He initiates this conversation. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. While Zacchaeus was wanting to see Jesus, we learn that it was Jesus who was first looking for Zacchaeus and working in him, right? Before we seek the Lord, he first seeks us. There's an old hymn written in the 19th century entitled, I Sought the Lord and Afterward I Knew. Look at the lyrics up on the screen. In this song are these lyrics. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I who found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of Thee. We didn't find Jesus. Jesus found us. 
We didn't seek Jesus. Jesus sought us. We see that here in Zacchaeus' story. The seeker in this story is not Zacchaeus. The seeker is Jesus. He tells him that. He says later in the passage, I have come to seek. I have come to seek and to save the lost. When he finds him, he knows him by name, he calls him down, and he initiates where things go from there. He says, I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. Not proper etiquette, by the way, in in this day. In ancient Near Eastern culture, even those in higher positions did not invite themselves to other people's homes. They waited for an invitation. Jesus doesn't wait. He tells Zacchaeus to hurry, come down. He says, I must stay at your house today. The matter that Jesus has with Zacchaeus is of supreme importance. So important that Jesus breaks social norms and ancient Eastern protocol to make this meeting happen. If you're anything like me, you're being honest. You like things done on your timing, right? We're all that way, aren't we? Not saying that I'm not flexible. But if I'm being honest, I like things to work according to my schedule. Jesus doesn't function in this way. When He seeks us out, when He calls us out, He doesn't wait for it to be convenient for us. He says, now is the favorable time. Today is the day of salvation. And while those are the Apostle Paul's words, those are Jesus' words throughout His earthly ministry. No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back. It's fit for the kingdom of God. Come now, today, follow me. Hurry, Zacchaeus. Come down, I must stay at your house today. Later he tells him, today salvation has come to this house. I remember when Jesus sought me and called me. I was finishing up college, had my mind set in one direction. I was not looking for God. I was looking to graduate. And I was looking to go to law school. He sought me and called me out, saved me, placed me on a completely different path. It didn't seem like the ideal time from a worldly perspective. Praise be to God, He doesn't work on our timetable. If He did, and it was up to me to decide the ideal time to follow Him, I would never come. There have been a number of people I've witnessed to over the years in counseling and just in interactions I've had with people on the streets who have told me, Oh, there will come a time when I will do that, when I will live for the Lord, just not right now. Not yet. Listen, right now is all you have, for sure. You're not promised anything. None of us are. We don't know what the next moment holds for us. Tomorrow may never come. Just being honest. Now's the time. Today is the day for salvation. Jesus sought Zacchaeus, called him out. Zacchaeus responded favorably. Look at it, verse 6. So he heard and came down and received him joyfully. 
So we see God's sovereignty and salvation in Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. We also see human responsibility in his response. We see those two truths throughout Scripture. When it comes to salvation, God's sovereignty, human responsibility, Jesus met Zacchaeus while passing through Jericho, not by random chance, but by divine appointment. He first sought Zacchaeus, called him by name, called him down from the tree. It's clear Jesus knew Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus knew Jesus. But in response, we see Zacchaeus come down in a hurry, receive him joyfully here. The word receive, that's the the language of faith right there. God is sovereign in salvation. Man is responsible. Why Zacchaeus? Boy, those in the crowd wanted to know, right? Why Zacchaeus? Verse 7, and when they saw it, they, gr- they all grumbled. He has gone in to be with the guest of a, of a man who is a sinner. Why Zacchaeus? He's the chief of sinners. Why him? Was it because of Zacchaeus? Say no. Not even close. Because God is a God of mercy and grace and love. That's why, in spite of him, he saves him. Well, that's my story. Why Graham? Because God is a God of mercy and grace and love. That's why. Praise God. He sent his son to seek and to save Vile sinners like Zacchaeus, like you and me. Jesus was seeking souls then. He is today. What will your response be to him? If you have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand God's gospel message this morning, do not harden your hearts to it. Respond in repentance and faith. Receive Jesus like Zacchaeus. Receive Him joyfully. Seek Him seeking you. Receive Him today and be saved. Do not delay. There's never a bad time to trust in Christ for salvation. Amen? Never a wrong time. Never an inconvenient time to bow the knee before the King of kings and give your life up and over to Him. That takes priority over everything else in your life. Period. You're here today. If you are listening, I pray salvation come to your house today. Last point. Jesus came to save sinners like Zacchaeus. Jesus seeks sinners like Zacchaeus before they ever seek him. Last point. Jesus finds sinners like Zacchaeus and changes their hearts and lives for his purposes, their joy and his own glory. Look beginning in verse 5 again. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So after having this encounter with Jesus, being called out by Him, responding to Him in faith, receiving Him joyfully, we see an incredible change in 
Zacchaeus. This is what happens when lost sinners encounter the Savior and when their hearts are changed. They forsake their way. They place their faith and trust in Him. The impossible is made possible through Christ Jesus. Zacchaeus was a wicked man. That should be a part of the song, right? He was. We need to add that to the song. He was a wicked wee little man. We know that by the response of the crowd and what Zacchaeus says. But Jesus has changed his heart. We know that when we read what Zacchaeus does next and how Jesus responds. Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus moves from being the chief of sinners to being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. From a money-hungry, thieving traitor to a sold-out child of God's. He confesses that he has cheated his fellow man. And he says he'll restore it fourfold. Now, Zacchaeus didn't pull that number out of midair. There was Jewish laws of restitution. You can see those in Exodus chapter 22, Leviticus 5.16, also Numbers 5.7. In these places, the requirement was to pay the amount plus a fifth. So Zacchaeus is willing to go above and beyond for those he's defrauded. He's using that amount as a benchmark. We learn in in verse 9 that Zacchaeus was the son of Abraham. He's a Jewish man, and so he makes a promise to Jesus that he will abide by the Jewish laws of restitution to repay those that he's wronged, and he goes above and even beyond that. And get this. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. He can't wait to do it. He springs that on Jesus, it seems like, almost immediately. After receiving the Lord joyfully shortly after, on the very same day, Zacchaeus willingly and joyfully makes this commitment to God. He has changed. He has found peace for his restless soul. And it's not in the things that he has. It's in this relationship with the Lord. And now he has joy. He has a newfound purpose in this relationship with the Lord. And now he is keeping the commands of God, not to earn favor with Him, right? But in response to the grace that's been shown Him by Christ in saving Him. That's how it works. We see see here that Zacchaeus' heart has changed in the way he's now responding to the law of God. Think of this in contrast to the rich young ruler again. He went away from Christ Because he had a lot of money. Zacchaeus gives his money away because he's no longer a lover of it. He's no longer mastered by it. And some will argue, well, he didn't give it all away. If that's your argument, you're missing the point here. Get this. It's not about percentages. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Are you a lover of God or are you a lover of stuff? That's the bottom line question you need to ask yourself. Are you mastered by money or are you mastered by God? That question is answered in the way in which you live your lives. 
Zacchaeus' heart had changed and he showed it in his actions. And in what Jesus has to say about him, look at it, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house because of what has taken place in Zacchaeus' heart. He has been saved. He makes the case before the critical Jewish crowd who, who was saying, why is he going into his house? One of a sinner. Jesus says he also is a son of Abraham, right? They did not like to claim Zacchaeus, but that's exactly who he was. Jesus makes it clear here early in his ministry that he has come for this reason. Did he not say that? He said he came to seek and to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he came for. He sent out the twelve in Matthew chapter 10 to proclaim his gospel message to them. He is reminding them of that here. This is why he came, to seek and to save the lost sheep of Israel, sons of Abraham. Many, unfortunately, failed to see themselves as lost, as sinners in need. But Jesus went to those who did see it, who saw their sinfulness, who saw their desperate need of Him. He came not for the righteous, right? But for the sick, those who know they need Him. And He saved them. And He commissioned them to then go to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth to seek and save sinners everywhere to fulfill the promise that God made long ago to Abraham, that through the offspring of Abraham, whom he would bless, he would bless the nations through him. That is why Christ came. He came to seek and to save lost and needy sinners like Zacchaeus. Lost and needy sinners like you and me. And the question for you today is this, what will your response be to Him today? What will your response be to Him today? Sinner, Jesus is looking for you. He's looking for you. He still seeks and saves the lost today. Don't let the crowds keep you from Him. Do everything you can to see him. Don't let your pride drive you further from him. Instead, receive the love of God today through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Forsake your sin. Bow the knee to Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for sin so that God would remember our sins no more. Those of us who place our faith and trust in him. He laid his life down. Three days later, God raised him from the dead in order to make us right with him. If you have not, I urge you today, turn from your sin, place your faith and trust in Christ today, and be saved. Let's pray together.